If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's chat is Catherine Chrisley. Now, is it Schreiber, Catherine? Yes, ma'am. Yes, it is. Ah, oh, perfect. Now, how are you, Catherine, anyway? I'm well. Good, good. I want to tell people about Catherine because Catherine's a herbalist. She's a natural health consultant, a veterinary assistant, a Reiki master, and she's running along with her husband, Mark, an equine century. So we're going to talk about that today. But first of all, Catherine, you know the deal. We start off with a favorite quote. What have you got? My favorite quote is, love is the active promotion of the well-being of the love object. It's Eric Fromm is a a philosopher. Mm -hmm. And to me, that tells if you love horses, then you're looking out for their well-being. Yes, yes. So it's not just saying, it's the action as well, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, this sanctuary that I'd like to talk to you about, you know, because I think that's important. A lot of people just want to do the right thing by horses all the time. Okay. But when did you actually get interested in having this sanctuary? Was it something that you've always had in mind? Is it something that you came across? How did that work out? Mm -hmm. My life has been with horses. They sort of had saved me Mm -hmm. uh, through my childhood. Um, Because of them, I was able to cope with a lot of things that happened and into my adulthood. And I have been a a professional horse person and, and an herbalist and healer through all of that. But as life went on, I began to take on horses that were uh, either emotionally, physically damaged, horses that people didn't want, uh, saving horses from a tragic end, and doing that just on my own, and feeling like I was paying back the species, paying horses back for, for saving my life, and I could be saving theirs. Problem was, that was a very difficult thing to do financially. Mm-hmm. And so um, in 2015, I'd, I'd gotten this place here in 2010. In 2015, some friends helped me make it an actual uh, nonprofit, uh, an actual um, sanctuary that could take donations. Yes. And then, yeah, we became licensed by the New Mexico Livestock Board so that we got inspect, we get inspected every year. Mm-hmm. And we have to do a lot of things to um, show that we do that proper care. It was, a, it was a big deal for me because being an actual proper sanctuary meant that I could focus on things the way I wanted them to be and have people help me financially. I wasn't just in the same way struggling by trading lessons for hay and all those things. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good and I think it was a smart move. And, you know, a really important lesson, I think, for nonprofits is that even nonprofits have got to make a profit. You've got to make a profit to be able to spread your message, spread the word and continue to do the good work that you do. You know, and I think that's an important yeah. lesson for anyone that's working in a nonprofit, that's, for anyone that's 
that's thinking along those lines, you know. Yeah. It's still a business. You've still got to run it as a business. Otherwise, you're just going to get worn out and, you know, the horses aren't going to end up getting looked after and you ju- you're just not going to be able to do it the way you needed to do it. Yeah, and the other thing I think too, you know, good foundations, if you think of good foundations for a horse, good foundation for a horse that's doing high levels of competition work, you know, this is just good foundations to have a, a sanctuary and you know, to have it as a non-profit. So that's just a really good message. Yeah, yeah. Now, tell us a bit about, you know, because you're not just saying, right, well, I've got the sanctuary, but you're a herbalist, you're a natural health consultant, you're a veterinary assistant. How have these skills helped you run the sanctuary? The amazing thing is that because of this lifetime of study and uh, coming these things um, for the healing and for the, the schooling and the support of the horses, I'm able to bring that along with me. And then we touch wood. We don't have vet bills because we do this, you know, normally have many vet bills because we do all of this um, very support care. and. Uh, because of my knowledge with working with horses, we can get a horse in that's terrified or a horse that's, that's been brutalized. We have one now and help to build their confidence, uh, get them to trust us by being worthy. And then we can do by the natural foods that we do to keep them healthy all the time and mm-hmm. have to, to have the kind of medical model intervention that you do when things are really symptomatic. Okay. All right. And then these horses that come in, do you have like a a release scheme so that you get them to a certain point and then release them to the right home? Do you do that or do you keep them until, you know, they pass or what happens? Uh It's on a very individual basis, of course. We Mm -hmm. have, like we have a horse coming 40 this Next year in January, so to speak, wow. he will be 40. He's a, yeah, he's a retired eventer. Mm. He is, uh, he's a testimonial to the horse that has been active and properly fed and cared for through his life yep. because he maintains vibrant health. Although he has the molars, he has no teeth left, mm-hmm. but my husband, Mark, uh, created a machine to grind the hay, and then we grind all this hay and soak it for each meal and give him these great tubs full of this wet slosh <laughs> that keeps him alive. Yeah, but yeah. his his vibrant health keeps him going. And then we have horses that are much younger and are um, just trying to cope with something. We've had a horse with Cushing syndrome that with nutraceuticals, we got him through it. He has He's no longer symptomatic. So he was, a, we were able to adopt him out to a great home yep. uh, with the stipulation that he comes back here if anything changes. Sure. And uh, you have from pony to draft horse to Arabian to <laughs> thoroughbred to Appaloosa to everything um, that you can imagine. And each one with individual needs. We have some that will never, never, never leave here. And some that it would be great if they could find their own person. You know what I mean? Mm, mm, mm. Now, some of these horses, I think you you do some work with special needs children. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Is it just just children, adults as well? Adults as well. We have, okay. um, yeah, uh, emotionally, uh, physically challenged people. Lots of different situations. We used to do a program with a local high school uh, for. 
uh, it's a bridge program for the special ed students when they were 18 to 21. They're kind of aging out of the programs at schools. And they would come and they would muck and groom and I would work with them. And we actually, during that period of time, it was several years, we had three get full-time jobs in the industry, which was a very cool thing. Mm. But it kind of changed and they don't come here anymore, but it still doesn't negate all that happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that's still, you know, we sort of look at case studies and everything. So so three people came in without horse skills and then you work with them and then they're able to go on and get jobs in the industry, employment in the industry. I think that itself is really good. We were very, very pleased about that. Mm -hmm. What about horses? Got any case studies? I think case studies are Mm -hmm. always good. It's instead of going general, you're going specific. Oh, we've got some. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I have uh, I have several stories from from recent. Um, we have a horse uh, who's mostly thoroughbred, who was a horse I had known in his youth. He had had colic surgery when he was three years old, and a colic surgery survivor belonged to a young woman that I taught. So I knew this horse when he was you know four or five, six years old, working, making him a hunter, um, so that he was doing the jumps and things, and then I touch with the family because this was years ago he's probably 18 19 now and a few years back I got a call and they said do you want him um his name then was playboy and we started calling him sage instead um because he was always you know playing with the mares and we thought we could maybe use a different name and help him uh he (laughs) could not walk from the driveway to his paddock yes okay the reason, which hadn't been fully divulged to me mm. um, at the time exactly, was that he was constantly lame, constantly lame. And we got him into the pen, and he was shod to make his hooves look very, very pretty. And he's a large horse. He's like 16, three, almost 17 hands. And his hooves were in probably like a, a one. The shoe was very small for his size. Mm-hmm. Um, we pulled the shoes and just left him, left him barefoot to not trim him, doing anything, let him wear them how they should be. So this horse that couldn't walk from the driveway to his paddock, four months later after the program of of feeding, the herbs and things to help him to support the hoof health, and just leaving them and letting them show us how they needed to be trimmed, Within that four months, a student of mine was able to compete on him at the Las Cruces Horse Trials, which is a sanctioned combined training event. And she took second in her division. And, uh, you know, there's veterinarians there. So if he had been unsound, they wouldn't Mm. have let him continue. So that was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, good. And just letting nature tell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What a good story. Yeah. Yeah. What about for people who, you know, you work with, people who are looking for employment or looking to volunteer? Do they have to have any special requirements or are there any things that you say, there's no way we're going to have that here? You know, tell us about that. uh, Of of course, there's that. One of the things here is that we are Mm compassion-based so that everyone has to have the understanding that we keep a non-toxic environment, meaning, you know, um, we don't use pesticides, we don't use um, lots of chemicals, we're not allopathy-oriented, we're a natural health uh, uh, situation here. But it also means that we don't allow aggression because we feel that aggression is a toxic thing. And 
people have to come here and relate to the horses on the horses perspective and people that that don't resonate they just sort of make their way onward and a lot of people um want to volunteer want to come and like exercise the horses a chance to ride for free or something like that and there are other places that we can send and, and talk to them what they would go to um where they might have the opportunity but that doesn't happen here it's about getting them comfortable with people see we have a, a mayor here that was a victim of horse tripping. Um, that's something kind of very brutal, very violent, mm. and the mm. horses usually don't survive. And she uh, is in her 30s, bless her heart. She can barely move. She foundered. She was starved. Oh, We've thing. put almost yeah 300 pounds on her. And yet this precious spirit wants to live, and she is happy and um eats everything in sight moves around is her own advocate drinks lots of water loves the attention so i mean you know as long as she wants to live we're going to keep you know fighting for her yep but yep. there can't yep. be people around yeah there can't be anybody around her with any aggression or any kind of um fast movements uh bad attitudes because it will frighten her Yes. So when we bring volunteers, well, yeah, we do an orientation and we bring people in, we tell them the horse's stories and explain how we have to relate to each of them. Mm-hmm. And people in the orientation will kind of find out if they want to continue or not. Okay. And yeah. we have some yeah, remarkable people. We really do. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yes. Yes. I suppose you've got to have the right people, not just the right people to work with the horses, but the right people to come to the special needs people, the people who are coming in to find something a little bit more as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we sort of started to talk about, you know, the whole idea and it was something that you always wanted to do. Then you also talked then you had the property, you had some friends help you up to set up yourself as a, you know, non-profit or a charity. Is that For someone else who's thinking along your lines, you know, and I think it's good that you've established yourself, established a base because that's the big thing that people want to do stuff but they don't have the money and they don't have the any backing at all. What would your advice be then to go down the same line for anyone else that's thinking along that line? (laughs) It's a hard one. It's a, a hard life in some ways but an absolutely joyous life with horses this way but I was preparing for it for decades you Mm. know to be honest um by learning all the skills uh at one point I worked at a very well-known uh equine rescue um for for a number of months uh less than a year but almost a year and got to see you know kind of know what I was getting myself into when I came here and, and did it myself um And it sort of happened on its own. The universe puts things together. But by seeing the struggles on uh, someone who is doing a very good job, but the struggles for the fundraising and the struggles Mm -hmm. for uh, keeping everything healthy and for getting the property and all the things that went on in that situation, I came to this um, pretty realistic expectations and a real awareness of my own foibles the ways in which I would not not be able to do well and so Mark my husband 
uh, is like the miracle coming in here because he fills every, uh, and there's a lot of them, every gap that Mm -hmm. exists because of of me, what I don't know and understand the places where I don't have strengths, uh, even talking about physical strength, um, because I, I have a small disability myself, which makes me more aware of other people and uh, grew up with a, a kind of famous grandfather who had lost his leg at the hip as a child. So I see things through different eyes sometimes and I look at the horses and even if they are not what is, is considered like competitive sound, the soundness for being a competitive animal, yep. I still see them as these graceful, wonderful beings. So it's like a lifetime of preparation. But if someone was looking at doing it, I would say that they need to have tenacity. You need to really just, you know, stick to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep going, you know, uh, rest well and get up the next day and, and face it and just do the best you can. And you need to have a lot of patience because uh, things are going to test your patience every day. And then you need to have the compassion. And you'll hear people talk about compassion burnout and things in in rescue and in taking care of all these animals that have had a rough time. I think what it I think what it is, it's not that you run out of compassion or your your compassion hurts you in any way. What I think it is is that you get this frustration toward humanity. Mm-hmm. And the, the burnout that happens is you're overwhelmed by what can happen in these horses' lives and what you're trying to fix and what you're trying to change. We have had to come to the point where we just focus on who we have here and educate, you know what I'm saying, educational outreach Mm -hmm. so that if there's any Mm -hmm. way we can educate someone so that they don't neglect their horse, then we have saved one indirectly. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that keeps us going, that keeps us sane, that keeps us um, inspired, mm-hmm. and we have to do that. Because even though we've only been coming on four years as the actual nonprofit in this particular place, we've been rescuing horses forever, it feels like. Okay. And you know lots of people that do that. You can, sure. you can rescue one or you can rescue a hundred. Um, you, just, you just do what you can. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking too, Catherine, because you said that you were working or volunteering with another nonprofit. That's probably a good place to get started, isn't it? You know, just to go in and work in a nonprofit or volunteer in a nonprofit so you can see if it's really for you. Exactly. Mm. I, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot, um, and I do, but I thought I knew a lot about uh, horses and what we could go through, and you know, I had taken a lot of horses off the track, horses that were going to slaughter through the years and, you know, educated them, trained them, found uh, someone to buy them, those kind of things. But when I went to this one rescue where I got to work and be, you know, really involved, the first time the truck came down with the PMU, the pregnant mare urine mares and babies, and this giant truck backs up and these horses who have not been handled are mostly draft horse, are terrified with their babies beside them, and they come down this ramp into these large paddocks. Mm. The first time I saw that and smelled that and had to uh, channel these horses and deal with it, the 
wave of reality just flowed over me. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had a lot to learn. Yep. And that this was like a, a real trial by fire to see if it was something I could cope with. And I found out that I could. Okay. And I was, I was proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Just thinking, you know, now that you've got your, your nonprofit established, the ongoing, you know, it's not just a matter of saying, right, well, I'm, I'm right now, I'm, you know, I can take donations. I've got a website. You've still got to get, you know, there's a lot of websites out there. People don't just, you know, they can sort of come across a website every now and then. But, but just the ongoing marketing and the finding the sponsors and finding the income and everything else. Do you handle that? Does your husband handle that? Do you have volunteers handling that? How does that work? Right now, it is on my shoulders. And the blessing in that is that I have I have written all of my life as well since the 70s. Okay. Yep. For magazines like the Chronicle, Chronicle of the Horse, Western Horsemen, all of those magazines. Right now, I'm a contributing writer for uh, Natural Horse Magazine for our local newspaper. And I write press releases constantly and I get all these things out um, about us. And, and we become more and more known and respected uh, mm-hmm. within our community and within the industry. Um, so I have that going, I do a lot of my work with Facebook because with Facebook, I can do a lot of fundraising. Yes. And we get money that helps a lot with the hay. We get sponsors that will mm-hmm. sponsor a particular horse and send a monthly donation for that horse. The fundraising has been on my shoulders and it will be good to get people involved as well. But so far, we have, have done remarkably well. We just got a, a nice big donation of hay. Yep. Um, and <laughs> There's interesting ways in which all of this this will happen, and I just I marvel in the generosity and the love of people because it is a hard time for all of us, and we're getting um, the possibility of I'm telling you this brand new story about yep. Dharma Horse. Yeah, is that we have we have some money in an escrow account, and oh, we are getting good. some yeah. more money to get property that we have just found nearby. Yes. That means that we can expand and that Dharma Horse will uh, be its own entity owning its property. See, Mark and I have allowed Dharma Horse to use our home. Uh, yes. You know, everything yes. is, yeah, you know, yep. everybody yep. does something like that. And we are going to finally be able to kind of shift it so that it has its own um integrity, its own property, its yes. own um, sovereignty from us. And that's going to help a lot because we can pull more people in then. Mm-hmm. Um, all along, it's been like we're doing this on our land, on our stable, on our stuff. And although none of the money that ever came uh, through in donations went to improve the property, it all goes to feed and care for the horses. You always feel like if you're you know, doing things People are wondering how you did that. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. now Dharma Horse will be in its own place. Good. And this good. has taken so much energy to, <laughs> to create and to, to visualize. And I would just say to people, um, one of the, the sayings I like is um, just uh, be kind, you know, be compassionate, rest, wake up, try again. Uh, you just trust each day, just keep going forward. Yep. Because without us visualizing it, it wouldn't have happened. And we kept 
you know, putting things on paper and talking to people about it. But um, in the long run, you have to believe in yourself. You have to know that what you are doing is for these horses. Yes. Yes. You know, we don't do it for donations. We need donations to do this, uh, that kind of thing. And really, it's it has to be out of of that love uh, for them because it's it's never going to make anybody a, a great living. You're not mm-hmm. going to pull, you know, a lot of. It doesn't feed your ego. Yeah, it just takes yep. care of your soul. <laughs> yes. 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 No, I think very good. Now, I'm just thinking because you said that you do some educational programs and sometimes people need a bit of education to know how to care for their horse properly. What can you say about that? Have you got, you know, just a a lesson for them just in a couple of sentences about how they should be caring for their horses, what they should be doing, what are the minimum requirements, you know, even some things that you've seen that could be so easily fixed? You know, if a person comes to a horse and just very clearly sees what they need, they need access to water. They need, you know, constant access to water, a roughage-based diet, at pasture or hay. They need supplementation with the herbs and the minerals that they would get in nature. And unless they are running down racetrack constantly, they don't need grains. They don't need these kind of unnatural foods and never composite foods that are made with like animal fat and sugars and things that are unnatural, just like, you know, composite or processed foods for us. Yes. Yep. So you think all of us, all of us needs is water, roughage-based diet, minerals and herbs that would nature would provide. They need shelter, some kind of shelter from bad weather and exercise and you'll have a healthy horse mm-hmm. 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 yeah it's simple that's, mm-hmm. that's, um yeah just good advice and it's basic isn't it it's simple it's simple advice yes. but that's what they need but it's just like when we pull those shoes on sage and we let his hooves find their own natural shape yes and yeah instead of making it look a certain way we let him tell us how it would feel better so that he would be sound yep and yep. it's taking that and make it simple, and then generally things sort of work themselves out. Okay, good, good. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. All right, now, Catherine, um, you've told us about what you've got prepared in the future. They, You know, Dharma Horse have their own property. Is there anything else that you've got yeah. going on in the future? Well, what we're hoping for yep. is that I can set up and start doing more clinics and workshops because that's a part of that that outreach for teaching people uh, and helping yes. horses. Yes. And it's something I enjoy. Yes. I mean, I do everything I can. I judge horse shows. Um, I do a, a lot of things in the community. I want to expand out. I used to be able to do that. And if we can get more people involved with Dom mm-hmm. Horse becoming, you know, kind of more, uh, it's, sovereign taking care of itself then i can get out and do more good and i'm wanting to do a book about this okay. i have um i've written books i have some books you know on amazon that i have written and i also had a book published by a company uh, that i had to self-published and i want to do one i'm talking to a publisher right now about it so i've got to work on it but that's about what has happened what has all come together to create what Dharma Horse is and is becoming. 
because one of the differences with us, um, uh, as opposed to other kind of rescues and sanctuaries, is that we do this in this most natural way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's such a such a simple diet for the horses, such a, a consistent care. And we're using homeopathy and we're using the phytotherapy and things for their healing. I tell you, even we will certainly use allopathy and the the pharmaceuticals for pain and things. But rather than just suppressing the symptoms and making it look like the horse is healed, we look at why these symptoms came up and we address those causes underneath. Mm-hmm. Yes, And then the horse's body has that chance to heal. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. That's good. All right. Look, do you have like a philosophy for Dharma Horse, a philosophy you can just, you know, tell us about before we finish and then we'll talk about your contact details as well? Um, With Dharma Horse and with everything that we teach and work with on, you know, whether it's the confidence building clinics or I'm teaching a, a lesson, our philosophy is that horses specifically and, and people as well have a well of experiences like a vessel that's full of water and the experiences are like those drops of water fill that well and if those drops of water those experiences are mostly positive the horse when a new experience comes up that horse will expect something positive mm-hmm. but if that well of experiences has been filled with drops of negative experiences right the horse when a new one comes up expects something negative What we do is we fill that well of the negative experiences. We keep pouring in the positive until it just washes them out like pouring cream in coffee. Mm -hmm. And then we make sure that we reinforce and love and show compassion and put those positive drops in so that finally we become trustworthy and then the horses trust us. I think that well of experiences is... Uh, along with the phytotherapy, the herbal mm-hmm. philosophy that we have, that those are the cornerstones of Dharma Horse and what makes us work. Yep, yep. Oh, good, good. Now, I think your um, website is dharmahorse.org, so it's www.dharma, as in D-H-A-R-M-A, and then horse.org. What about your contact details? Can they get them on that website or have you got them somewhere else? That's the best place okay. on that website, which you know is all of this information, then good, good uh, photos and things of what we're doing and highlights. There is um, the contact page, which will have my email address, which is really a good way to get hold of me, and our phone number and our physical address, mm-hmm. so that any of that can be found, as well as our blog. And, you know, how to get the books on Amazon, things like that. Okay. What we want to do is is keep presenting it out there so that any way we can help horses, we're trying to get it out there. Yep. Yep. Good. Good. And those contact details will be on horsechats.com slash Catherine Schreiber. And or just go to Horse Chats and search for Catherine, which is K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E and you'll find those details. So, Catherine, thank you for coming. Thank you for your time. Thank you for telling us all about Dharma Horse. And uh, (laughs) we'd love to have you back. And I'm sure you could tell us a lot more about what you're doing 
you've got a lot of stuff going on there. You know, you're an herbalist, you're natural health, veterinary assistant, Reiki master. I'm sure that there's lots of things that you could um, teach our listeners, lots of things we can talk about. So we'll have to, um, yeah, organise another time. I'd love it, Glenna. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Catherine. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.